0: What is hardware Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Pivalli coming at you without my co-host Adam Frommel today for reasons we will get to in a minute. Actually, okay, let's get to it right now. We recorded our normal mega mailbag on Locker Room Live 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Please come join us. We take questions from Twitter, but we also take questions from the chat in Locker Room Live. We have some people come on and speak. It's a lot of fun. We've seen the numbers go up live each time, and we would love to have you guys there in the room we know it's hard because we do have some international listeners and there will be time differences, but if you can, at some point, Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, we, really, we enjoy discussing with you guys in real time, so come join us. However, the audio from that podcast was lost. It is in the great void. We have no idea where it is, and rather than not have a podcast, I'm going to hold this mailbag solo because Adam cannot make it he is working and i'm on a sunday night i am not going to ask someone to come on in an emergency i'll just do it myself i am a little bit delirious it's been a long week leading into the trade deadline i do love this time of year as people have been listening to this podcast for a while do know uh but i'm wearing a hoodie and the hood is up here just in my little office where i have sound absorbing foam hanging against the wall Got my, my mic up in my face, my laptop right here, an energy drink. Anyone who also knows me um, knows that I basically survive off caffeine, whether it's amino energy or, in this case, I have a bomb-pop-flavored, what is this called, Super Brain C4 per- performance fuel. Uh, tastes really good, by the way. I am delirious but soldiering through, and I'm excited to do this. Going to answer your questions that you sent us over the weekend. We got a bunch of good ones. Um, I'm going to try and get them all since we obviously will not be having live listeners chiming in. With their questions, uh, first and foremost, there's going to be a lot of trade deadline stuff, basically all trade deadline stuff. We do have, well, all right, first and foremost, as I ramble through this again, I'm, it's late, I am upset, but we have to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to Hardwood Knox on iTunes, whether you use it or not. Just head over there, search Hardwood Knox, throw us that five-star rating, write a review, especially now because you know that I will record a podcast twice just to make something that you have, just to make sure you have something in your feeds. Definitely just make sure that you're downloading this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, and listening to every episode, subscribing there as well. And word of mouth, uh, shout us out on Twitter. Tell your friends, family members, acquaintances, people at work, maybe people you hate and you want to expose them to these sub-mediocre basketball takes. Whoever, we appreciate you getting the word out there and helping us continue to grow as we have been on the come up for, I think we recorded our first podcast in 2015, Adam and I, just an FYI there. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. Go to YouTube. Check us out there too. I do believe there'll be a video element coming soon. I'm working on some templates so that we can start with video there. I've yet to tell Adam that actually. So I, that'll be a nice surprise for him. Maybe tag him on Twitter and let him know or just let it be a surprise. And finally, if you're not following the Sports Math Network, they have NBA Math, they have MLB Math, which is MLB underscore math with the uh, baseball season just starting up. You should definitely check that out. But the Sports Math Network, it has hockey, it has. Uh, NFL. And we're, we're of course affiliated with NBA math where I, I edit there. And again, our podcast is right there. This podcast is not all numbers for first time listening. We try and inject some, from some huggable snark, as I've termed it, some bad jokes. It's not as technical as you think it is. We really try to, to be a full service podcast for everybody, cover the league thoroughly, but have a lot of fun, give you some personality, ramble in these intros like this. And we are delirious and tired and just want to cry because we know that there are takes that will never be heard again, except for the couple dozen people that joined us on locker room. But anyway, follow sport the Sports Math Network at the underscore sports underscore math. Spelled exactly as it sounds. Let's get to this mailbag though. I am going to start first though with the two breaking news items that uh we've had that, that came through over the weekend. LeBron James is out indefinitely with a high right ankle sprain. Uh that's going to be disastrous for the Lakers on offense for obvious reasons. He's he's LeBron friggin' James, but also their half court offense has struggled both with and without him this season. Uh, with him on the court, the Lakers have their half-court offense ranks in the 67th percentile of efficiency. Without LeBron, the 24th percentile. Without LeBron and AD, the 17th percentile. When Dennis Schroeder plays with no LeBron, no AD, they're in the 40th percentile, so not terrible, but that's a 409-possession sample size. It's not huge. Uh, huge. And then with Schroeder and Cuz, but no LeBron or AD, 47th percentile in half-court offense. That's a 307-possession sample size not totally hopeless. And I think a healthy Marcus All can still kind of help them in the half court with his playmaking. I thought he was going to play a bigger role in the no LeBron minutes this season than he has, but that will be something to look for as he gets back from conditioning. I do believe that they should probably look at making a trade at this point. I don't know if it's for, can you get a low level creator uh, like an Austin Rivers, who just seems like he's available in New York? Do you have the the juice to get him a leak monk or Devontae graham from charlotte i'd probably argue no and we're going to get to them in a minute something for them to consider i don't know how low the asking price has fallen but victor oladipo just the the idea of him and i'm not talking about all nba victor oladipo it's been three years essentially since we've seen that and he's dealt with a right quad issue not just uh around 2018 but this season he had a right quad issue after he was traded to the Rockets has not played too well there. Though we did have a a good game in their twentieth loss, a uh, consecutive loss of the season. He's making twenty one million. He already turned down an extension. I don't think he's going to resign in Houston. Nobody thinks he's going to resign in Houston. They shouldn't want to pay him, frankly, because they are rebuilding. I'm not again. I will never look out for billionaire pockets. But when you do have to be smart about building a team, he just doesn't make sense. And there's no guarantee that he'll be eminently movable on his next contract. So if you're going to lose him for nothing. My guess is that you could probably get a better offer than the Lakers can give you. But if you like Talon Horton Tucker, is him, Trez, and then just a bunch of salary filler enough to get it done? Do Lakers fans even want to do that? You're looking at, you know, unless you're trading Contavious Caldwell-Pope, you're probably looking at a five-for-one trade at that point. So you're going to need third teams, a third team, maybe a fourth team. I would consider it if I were them. I said to Adam in our previous podcast— that I might consider doing Dennis Schroeder, and if it's a second, even if it's Talon Horton Tucker, who is really good, but he's going to be a restricted free agent, capped in what he can get for the first year of his salary. But I don't even know if the Lakers trust him enough to be like to to give him the what would amount to the the full non taxpayers mid level. And there's also the the possibility that he gets a poison pill offer sheet in restricted free agency because people want to. mess with the lakers and fair warning there might be some profanity in this podcast too just the all bets are off after you've lost the podcast and i also apologize if you hear me sipping during this my my energy drink so i don't know if i'd be interested in talon horton tucker if i were houston but knowing that you have to pay him might be a little scary but then you also know that you're never gonna have to pay him what victor oladipo probably gets he'll get at max probably a third of what oladipo gets unless his market really tapers off uh I I get why people wouldn't want to give up Dennis Schroeder just because he's more bankable. His off-the-dribble jumper can be, let's let's call it an adventure, but he's more guaranteed playmaking. He hasn't had as many health issues, a little bit more of a consistent presence on defense, I would say. Though we also know Victor Oladipo can defend. He has not been great there this year, uh, was not great there in Indy for the bubble, but we've seen it. Even post-injury, he's looked good at times on defense. It's just something that... If I'm the Lakers, I'm considering. I don't. Again, I don't know how you get there without inclu- including Schroeder. I'm just going to assume because KCP uh, is a clutch client that he's not going to get dealt to the the Nowheresville Rockets at this point. Maybe there's a third team involved if you're moving him. I would also say that he's super important though because he's probably even though he's gone through a shooting slumps, what he did in the playoffs last year, he's he's going to shoot better uh, from three. He's you could just rely on him probably a little bit more than Oladipo, and so I might only do it if the asking price is so surprisingly low. Where again, it's Trez THT, and then you're you're fleshing that out. I don't. I mean, West Matthews would be in there. McKinney, I'd imagine. I don't even think that's enough money for the Lakers to bring back uh, Oladipo. And look, they are within two million dollars of the hard cap right now, so they're within one point seven million of the hard cap per the sheet that I'm looking at. So you basically have to send out dollar for dollar or get to twenty million, and that's incredibly tough if you're not trading Schruder. so maybe that's sort of a pie in the sky scenario but I do believe they need to make some sort of a move now where maybe they could have talked themselves into staying pat and just relying on the buyout market I don't know that the type of just player who could generate his own offense even if it's not super efficient I don't know that they're going to get on to the buyout market Austin Rivers might be your best bet at this point that springs to mind even you know maybe a George Hill but one I don't think he gets bought out and two I don't know that he's enough of just a self-generating shot creator efficient on drives going to hit his threes we'll give you some defense but he's not you know th- this from scratch guy that's just never really been his game and so that's going to be something to monitor hopefully lebron james uh this unscheduled rest will help him people want to talk about the mvp implications um that's that's actually a, a question that we had and so there you know it's fair i think let's give it a little time to marinate which we did because this happened on saturday i'm recording this late on sunday night but miroslav shook asked uh Can we get an update on your MVP ballots after new developments? Look, Embiid and LeBron are outside of my top three now. I just don't know how you put them in there knowing that they're each going to miss. You know, Embiid specifically is just probably already out of there when you look at how many games he's going to have missed this season. LeBron, maybe he's superhuman because he's LeBron and comes back after two weeks and still really has a chance to be in the MVP discussion. When the margins are that thin, though, and you have guys like Giannis, Dame Lillard, and... uh, Nicole Jokic, excuse me. They're just going to be playing substantially more minutes at this point. Uh, Embiid is tough because he was outside the top the top 75 in minutes when he went down, and so he's only tumbled from there. LeBron was 10th at the time of his injury, I believe, and that's total minutes. So again, maybe it's time to come back, but I think his case was just a little bit, or I don't want to say flimsier, but it just wasn't as strong uh, as some others, because a lot of it was narrative-based, where it was, oh, look at him doing this in year 18, age 36. However, the Lakers, the way that they were kind of playing at the time when he went down without Anthony Davis, that definitely would have helped him. So right now, I think I'd have LeBron and Embiid. They're 4-5 they're to me, together. You could put them there. Embiid was my pick, and I want to make that clear. He was first place for me when he uh, w- before he was was out with his injury. So I'm not trying to unnecessarily demote either of them, but it's just tough when the margins are, are so thin. And so I think Nikola Jokic really has a clear path to winning it right now. If he's able to play in more games and you have LeBron missing, you know, he's going to miss at least 10 games um, and he might miss longer because you have to, if you're the Lakers, you just have to slow play this. You don't need to care about seating. You're going to make the playoffs. You're right now six games behind the eight seeded Dallas Mavericks. You're not, you know, this real disaster would have to strike for you to fall in, in playoff territory. So I, I, My guess would be that they slow play this, even if he is LeBron and decides to come back in two weeks. Maybe I shouldn't say that either, because if LeBron wants to come back, LeBron's going to come back. He'll have a say in that as well. But Jokic, look, the Nuggets are six in the West. That's nothing special, even in a tight race. Uh, They're still a ridiculously good team when he's on the floor. And I do believe that we need to pay more attention to these on-court numbers with players. They can't be responsible for what happens when they're off the court. It, It might be a little bit of a difference if they're just narrowly winning, when the team's winning the minutes when they're on the court, but that's just not, you know, that really hasn't been the case for the Nuggets this season. They run so much of their offense through Jokic. He's just this incredible threat from beyond the arc now, from whether he's in mid-range, uh has the Sombor shuffle going on for him. He's an excellent passer. We know that. He's probably the best passing big man in, in NBA history. I, I shouldn't even have the probably qualifier for that. I feel like I'm being just a little bit too hesitant there. Uh, but you still just look at how much better he makes in Jokic, how important he is. Uh, they're 12.6 points better per 100 possessions on the offensive end with, with him on the court. Um, the defense is 7.6 points per 100 possessions worse. That has improved, I will say. Uh, the Michael Porter Jr. and Nicole Jokic minutes at the 4 and 5, those have been suspiciously stingy on defense like, for reasons I can't, can't quite figure out. I've been, and I mentioned this in the the season outlook pod for them that i thought michael porter jr showed flashes of being a good you know help defender at points i think he's gotten better at that as this season has gone on too but those minutes are just suspiciously stingy still uh that's really going to help his case when you look at how much he improves them on offense so he's number one for me right now by the slimmest of margins i think i think and don't hold me to this because i'm actually writing uh my mvp ladder and update mvp ladder right now i might i think Giannis. Is second for me at this point and i know people are going to be hesitant to 3 him but the bucks are 17.9 points per 100 possessions better with him on the court and he's so huge to what they do at both ends of the floor i feel like he really needs to be inserted into into this discussion more so than he already has been his passing is feels like it's been a lot better this year when you're just watching him i still don't think his counters are necessarily perfect when you're looking at his offense but he's still just such a monster when you look at his ability to get to the rim, to what he can do in in transition. And even the willingness, I think, to take those fadeaways, those fallaways, to pull up from three, no, those are not efficient shots for him just yet. But the willingness to take them absolutely does matter. And this is a regular season award, which I try to remember. And yet the visions of, you know, just stalled Bucks postseason runs, those do sort of, of linger. So uh, maybe that's fair. 3 for me though would be Damian Lillard of the Portland Trail Blazers. Kind of a a situation here for me where you look at how much better the the Blazers are with him on the court offensively, 13.8 points per 100 possessions. They're 6.1 points per 100 possessions better overall, but their defense is 7.7 points per 100 possessions worse when he's on the court and he is a part of that even when he is kind of just fighting through screens. He's not the most aware off-ball defender when you're really zeroing in on him and watching him and to be part of that problem I don't think it excludes you from the MVP race by any stretch. It's just that when Giannis is there, I do think it's close because Damian Lillard has been absolutely absurd in the clutch this season, as has Jokic. And I do think we've seen, you know, the Bucks have been experimenting, so you've seen a little bit more Drew Holiday or or Chris Middleton in the clutch where it doesn't feel like Giannis is as much of a formality as a featured option there. Uh, Damian Lillard, though, I mean, and uh, Matt Moore of Action Network tweeted this out over the weekend um, it wasn't just a nod to Damian Lower's clutch performance, but he's the Blazers are 18 and 6 in crunch time games this season, which is just absolutely incredible. Dame is slashing 59 49 100. He has yet to miss a free throw in the clutch. And I know that we're dealing with a small sample size, but 38 of 38 in crunch time from the line, pretty good. 16 of 33 from three. Um, just, he's just been an absolute monster, but it, as Matt Moore pointed out on Twitter. The Blazers have essentially, when you look at their net ratings and victories versus losses, they're losing big and winning slim. I don't know whether that should count against them or not because there's, you know, the element of okay, look at the Blazers' uh, get record against teams 500 and above. They're nine and ten, and then they're fattening up on the, the teams below 500, where they're 16 and six. That that certainly matters too. You have a team like Denver, though. They're only 11 11 against opponents above 500, then 14 and six against below 500 teams. Milwaukee, meanwhile, 10-9 against teams above five hundred, and 17-5 the other direction. This season is wonky, and you don't want to look at those specifically, but that's all close enough to where I'll throw out, even if the Blazers are not winning convincingly necessarily, I don't know that I can hold that against him. and I almost have an inclination to vault him up the ladder because of the time that C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic missed this year, and Nurkic is, is still out, so to have the Blazers in, the the top five of the West within striking distance of technically a top two seed right now. You know, they're two and a half games back of the second place Suns. Uh that's that's pretty significant to me. It would not surprise me if Dame creeps up my own ladder. Uh still I think I think I have Jokic. This is just so tough. I might have Giannis I can talk myself in to Damian Lillard. But this is going to be just one hell of an of an MVP race. Let's get to your questions though. A lot of good ones mainly focused on the trade deadline. Um, Mbappe for MVP asks, if available on the trade market, what would it take for the Suns to get Aaron Holiday? That's a curious question. I don't know what it would take necessarily, though I will get into perhaps what it would take. But you look at Indiana, and you know Aaron Holiday's not playing a ton. He's not been the most efficient player. The idea of him as someone who can maybe spark plug your offense, put some pressure on the rim, maybe hit a couple off the dribble jumpers it's good and he's cheap next season at three not it's about 4 million dollars and they also have tj mcconnell going into free agency and so aaron holiday different kind of player for sure but a little bit of a safety net in case tj mcconnell leaves you could also look at it on the flip side is do you have use for aaron holiday long term you are gonna have to pay him eventually and when looking at tj warren his contracts up in 2022 same with jeremy lamb um caris lavert up in 2023 you've already paid sabonis Brockton and turner and you, you know those deals. Neither those guys aren't really way far out from free agency. Brogden and Turner are scheduled to be free agents in 2023, along with Karis Lavert. There might be some hesitance to just pay anyone at this point. And so, are you looking to entertain offers for Allen Holiday, Aaron Holiday? I'm sure they would consider it. But the idea of him as a safety net to TJ McConnell, who's been really valuable to Indiana this year, I don't know what the the um, son specifically can give up. They have their 2022 first rounder going to thunder as part of the chris paul trade so it's really tough for them to trade a first round pick they would have to do 2024 first allowable uh or first allowable is what they would have to do that's too far out to go after aaron holiday you can't go two drafts past when chris paul's contract would be up and maybe he stays in phoenix and plays at least like 85 and is great but you just can't take that chance you can use jalen smith i'm just not sure how much cachet he has as the number 10 pick when he hasn't played much um, saw some kind of flashes from him in preseason where it was like, oh, spin move off the dribble. That's interesting. And you know, he'll space the floor. It could play the four or the five. But that was just clearly that shouldn't have been a pick. They should have taken Tyrese Halbert. And Let, let's let's be honest here. So I don't know what else you're gonna give up. You're not giving up Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, so you know, just does Jalen Smith get it done? I would be skeptical because the Pacers have Sabonis, they have Turner, and they have Gogo Batadze in, in the background as, as well, too, who's moved moving, who's moving a little bit better on defense this year on the Pacers games that I've watched, just FYI. So you're not going to do this deal for Javon Carter in seconds. That would shock me if, if that's what happened. If you could, then yeah, by all means. I think you're fine with Cameron Payne for the most part. I understand the urge not to trust him. But when you have Chris Paul and you have Devin Booker, I don't know that really beefing up the guard rotation right now is is a necessity. I guess it's a nice hedge, because why not hedge? And we know that CP 3 has murky injury history. But the minutes that uh, he's off the court, they're going to be fewer and further between during during the playoffs. And you're going to see a lot more of him and Devin Booker together, I would assume, during those times as well. Let's get to Fred. Consistent question asker. So thank you, Fred. Ask, do Austin Rivers and or Alfred Payton stay with the Knicks past the deadline? I'm going to say at least one of them is gone. Austin Rivers isn't even in the rotation as we're recording this. I think he can do something for a team. He was shooting a a pretty high clip from three through his first 13 games of the season. Was all over the place thereafter. But he's someone who can put the ball on the floor. The Rockets got away with him defending wings. And his contract, to me, is sneaky useful in the sense that he's only making about Wait, about three oh Oh, he's making exactly three point five million this year, and then he has a non guaranteed deal next year for three point three, and then three point two the year after. It had to be three years in length because they signed and traded for him. That was everyone was confused by that. But you look at it this way: three point five million is not really a lot to take a flyer on someone who can maybe help you in the playoffs to hit shots in the half court, even if it's just as a standstill catch and shoot guy. If he works out, you have him under team control for another two years at a very little cost to you and then if it doesn't work out you can just you know show them the door no harm no foul and i do think there's a team out there that'd be interested in him maybe not because they know that the knicks aren't playing him but if they end up buying him out or just releasing him that would be a mini failure on their part so i don't think austin river's uh stays with the Knicks unless we just see injuries you know take over the roster uh you know Derek Rose has not been not been healthy of late but even that hasn't really sparked Austin Rivers getting into the rotation Alfred Payton should not be with the Knicks after the trade deadline I don't know if they need to waive him to make a roster spot I don't know if they move him you know because he's salary fodder they can use that to sort of double up their cap space where it's oh they have 15 million Alfred Payton makes 4.8 you could take back a. as my work phone goes off I apologize in the background you could take him in and take back a player that makes almost $20 million right there if that's something that you wanted to do. Hey, if you're interested in Victor Oladipo, Alfred Payton and someone else or Victor Oladipo would work, someone cheap. One of those two guys won't be there. Uh, but I don't want to see, you know, Alfred Payton taking away minutes from Emmanuel Quickly or Frank Kena And I, I do understand more so now after watching additional minutes of what the Knicks second unit can look like without Emmanuel Quickly, why you don't start him. And so I'm going to give Tibbs that up. Uh, that being said, I want to see Frankie Lucina. I want to see Austin Rivers over Alfred Payton at this point. Zach Lowe pointed this out in his latest 10 Things column. He's been overrated on defense for a while. I think that was among hoops knows just sort of common knowledge. He just doesn't give you enough on offense as a uh, as a threat. Like defenses aren't going to defend him if he doesn't have the ball and they're not going to be afraid of him really when he has the ball. He's not like the super, he's a little bit more willing to shoot than a Rondo or a Lonzo Ball, but he's not, you know, this great finisher. So I my guess would be if i had to guess right now both of them will not finish the season with the knicks i'd probably say alfred payton's more likely to just because the knicks do seem to value him or at least in theory he can run the point in a way that frankie lukina can't and then starting him allows them to go with derrick rose or Manuel quickly or both off the bench there so but yeah we did have another question about the knicks can i find it very quickly yes tps how do you feel about lonzo to new york I'm intrigued by it. I just don't know what you give up for someone that you're going to have to pay. I would say I was on the Knicks Film School podcast, another Blue Wire podcast. I don't know what you give up for someone who's about to enter a restricted free agency who, at minimum, you're probably going to have to give four years and $80 million. Do you give up a first-round pick? I'm not giving up a 2021 first-round pick. Uh, not the Knicks' anyway. Uh, you could maybe consider giving up the Dallas pick this year. Uh, although there is a chance, theoretically, that Dallas has a better pick than New York. If you're New Orleans then, though, what are you accepting? Because yeah, there's we actually have a question about Lonzo, so I'll save that. About Lonzo specifically in New Orleans, so I'll save that part of it. What do you want for him, though? I think the Knicks should probably top out at like a Kevin Knox and the Dallas 2023 pick. Maybe you give them that that Detroit second two, but that just, you know, you could go with the first when you can go after him in restricted free agency. I know there's more value in having bird rights in rfa because you can match any offer that you receive but look when you're giving up a first round pick and kevin Knox, i still believe in by the way he's not going to be that player he hinted at in summer league way back when but he he shot corner threes better this year and i still like his just player archetype you look at his size and you know how he can move and i do think he can do some more more stuff on the ball Um, i thought he wasn't as bad as a defender as he was last season that said you are selling low on him still kevin i would look kevin knox and the dallas pick fine but that detroit pick this season is going to be 31 or 32 and so now you're looking at you can spin it if you're the knicks as two first rounders plus kevin knox or or just two first rounders does kevin knox plus the detroit pick amount to a late first round pick maybe maybe not but that's a lot to give up for a player that you can pay or try to pay in restricted free agency. And I'm not sure he is the answer to what the Knicks need. I think he's interesting there, but he's not going to be the type of point guard to put pressure on the rim. He's not going to just run, pick and rolls in the half court. So he's great if you want him to sort of manage the game in the open floor. That's spectacular. And he's proved that he can be a really viable standstill shooter. And he's he's hit some off the dribble threes to his to his credit. So a really good player. Super intrigued by him in New York. I just don't know what you give up for him when he's headed for restricted free agency. And it is complicated by the fact that I don't know that he he's he's probably more valuable as a floor spacer around Emmanuel Quickly, around Julius Randle, around RJ Barrett, than he is as an actual point guard to the Knicks. And that's you know, that that's again, if you can pay him, I I might I would pay him twenty million dollars a year to go to New York. And he is only twenty three, will be twenty four when next season rolls around. So I I have no problem with them going after him, but I, th- I think your limit needs to be, and I don't know that New Orleans would accept this, Kevin Knox, a Dallas pick, and maybe, maybe the Detroit pick. You need to take back Alfred Payton in that scenario, though, if you're New Orleans. Like, that's something that sort of needs to happen. And I don't know that New Orleans is going to be interested in that. They do need wings, but you would have to be really, they would have to believe in Kevin Knox as the sort of second draft player, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure if if, if they do. So uh, this comes from Sucker Free B asks about Lonzo Ball specifically. What are the realistic odds of the Pelicans being able to match what Lonzo gets on the market based off our current cap situation? Look, it's a fantastic question. This is not a podcast again where we're going to celebrate owners cutting costs. But the reality is, particularly in a market with New Orleans, and especially when the Pelicans, they're interesting on paper, but they're 11th in the West right now. There's a chance they don't even make the play in. How do you throw so much money to roster that's clearly not ready to win you already have steven Adams on the books for close to 16 next year then Brandon Ingram at 17-ish that's 33 million dollars right there Brandon Ingram uh oh wait I'm sorry I'm looking at the wrong number steven Adams is on the books for 17.1 Brandon Ingram is 29.5 and so you know right there you're looking at 46.5 million dollars let's say right around there and then another 18.1 for Eric bledsoe 64-65 million dollars between those three players, are you willing to have 85-90 tied up in bledsoe Adams, Ingram, and Lonzo Ball? You do have to ask that question. Zion Williamson is going to be in year 3 as well, close to extension eligible. You do have to think about his next contract at this point. So, you know, are you gonna, you're going to be locked into this 3-4 player core for quite some time? Uh, and my phone is blowing up at the moment, so I apologize. People are asking me about mm-hmm. the about the little mellow Ball injury. Which, hey, let's talk about it right after right after uh, this question about the Pelicans. I, if you're the Pelicans, you match and you deal with it because you you can you know there are still avenues next season where I think they are projected to have like they'll be far enough away from the tax where you can pay Lonzo Ball. But I don't know what else you're going to be able to do to improve your roster. You better hope that that deal is at least movable. Then, once you sign it, you can't let him leave for nothing. I do think realistically they could match it, but you also have Josh Hart now he, this is where things get interesting. He's entering a restricted free agency too, and so if you have Josh Hart getting 15, $12 to fifteen million dollars a year, which doesn't hit as many of his threes as you think, but is a guy who can rebound well for his size, defend basically up to power forwards. It seems like at points that's not an unreasonable belief to think that he could get close to that high that would talk about talk about a hedge. How was that sentence for? a hedge so now all of a sudden you're at a hundred million dollars let's say close to a hundred million dollars for steven adams ingram bledsoe lonzo ball and josh hart and we haven't even have included zion in that they're really gonna have to take a long look my guess would be they don't move him uh there would have to be a team that probably blows them away this isn't Chicago's not dangling larry marketing and getting lonzo ball it's just not happening If they're going to move him, it'll happen maybe after he signs his deal and can be moved under a longer term pact as a larger salary, or maybe they broker sign and trades in the offseason. A lot of teams have cap space, but maybe there are teams that want to go after him after they use their cap space or just who don't have cap space. I expect, though, if Lonzo Ball reaches restricted free agency, that the Pelicans are not going to let him leave for nothing. Look, let's talk about the Lamelo Ball injury. Some uh, breaking news during this pod, even though it kind of happened a little bit, but before the pod uh, started, uh, he's out. He's believed to be out for the rest of the season with a fracture in his was his, his his white right wrist. I believe I might have that wrong. I should look that up in in real time. But let's see. Da, 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 da. He is fractured his right wrist. Correct. Look. If you're Charlotte now, this sucks. Lamelo Ball was the clear favorite for Rookie of the Year. I'm saying this as even somebody who loves Tyrese Halliburton. Now he's played in 41 games. Is that enough for him to win Rookie of the Year? Maybe Uh, it opens the door for Tyrese Halliburton specifically. I'm not ready to analyze that for him. You know that's not necessarily fair to him. It does change the Hornets' direction. Uh, They he made their offense substantially better when when he was on the court, and now that you don't have him, this idea that you would need to, you know, they still might stumble into a play-in spot, but they're eighth in the East. They weren't even technically win now at the moment, though You, it was easier to talk themselves into that. Without Lamella Ball, it's very tough to imagine them still being sort of in that discussion. And now when maybe they were fringe buyers at the deadline, or at least weren't going to sell, where it was, hey, do they maybe try and go after Rashawn Holmes from, from Sacramento and go that direction? Uh, is there something else that they could do? I don't know that that's an option for them anymore maybe they look at selling and just to underscore how good lamella ball has been since he entered the starting lineup so 21 games before his injury averaging 19.5 points 6.2 assists 1.7 steals shooting 42.6 percent from three on 6.1 attempts per game doesn't get to the free throw line a ton but 81.1 percent from the line just instrumental in what they've been able to do offensively and look that's with you know a couple not great games baked in there that his efficiency is right there so I'm curious to see how this impacts the way the Hornets do business at the trade deadline. If I am them, I'm probably looking to see, you know, can we move Devontae Graham? Can we move uh, Malik Monk? But Both of them are entering free agency, restricted free agency this summer. Uh, are we willing to take back some bad salary with draft capital? You know, a trade that seems to be sitting out there right now would be Devontae Graham and... You know, Cody Zeller, does that, what does that get you from the Mavericks with take on Dwight Powell, the two years remaining that he has? What does that get you? Um, And you would, I guess, I think you might need to send out, Dallas might need to send out more money, but what does that get you? Does it get you their 2025 first? Is that enough for you to consider it? Can you get Tyrell Terry, Josh Green? Uh, That's, you know, something to at least consider, but... I would also just I would look at the market from Malik Monk or Devontae Graham. Can you get a? I would think maybe you could get a first round pick from Dallas, twenty twenty five. So that's pretty far down the road. Maybe they're not interested in that. But if you're taking on Dwight Powell, giving them Devonte Graham, who helps now, and then they do have his bird rights and free agency, um, if he does kind of pan out. Even though you know Trey Burke is and Jalen, Jalen Brunson specifically is giving them great minutes this season, so maybe they're not as inclined to do that. But I would definitely shop Malik Monk. And Devontae Graham for teams looking at guys who could really microwave score at this point, just because your season's kind of over. And I don't know. Look, you have Terry Rozier, you have Lamelo Ball. I, I don't know that you need to funnel a ton more to the guard spot. It's fine to keep one of Monk or Graham. I'd be shocked if both of them were back in Charlotte next season. But that's just a that's a real bummer. Uh, you hate to see anyone get injured, and you know this this past weekend was an onslaught of injuries when you look at LeBron and Lamelo just really kind of really kind of blows there. Let's get to a question from Meyer Rothbaum. What teams do you think will be under the radar buyers or sellers? Let me try and think of one from each. Uh, I mentioned this when we recorded the first time around. I think Toronto could be a low-key buyer. Everyone's sort of waiting on them to sell off Kyle Lowry, sell off Norman Powell. As they get healthier, I don't think, you know what, as they get to full strength, which I think they're basically there now, if I'm not mistaken, they're not 11th in the Eastern Conference. And being 11th in the Eastern Conference only means that you're, right now you're five games back of the, the four spot Atlanta hawks and you're only four back of you know sixth place Knicks. that's to get a firmly into a playoff spot outside playing territory if you're not getting the moon for kyle lowry you're really getting good value on norman powell who's been as someone who's not a huge norman powell fan just been playing bonkers uh this season for them for the most part i you, you stay the course and you know can you make a mini buy uh, there was a question here about would they consider trading for well this is from Johnny Deep will the Raptors trade for a starting center so Baines can play twelve minutes a night off the bench are they a team that could really go maybe after Rashawn Holmes from Sacramento if I'm not I'm not trying to pick on Sacramento here just he's entering free agency and they are very big picture focused I know he's been their second third best player whatever it's been this year but if he's probably going to be the best center on the free agency market what are you what are you going to pay him. So he's someone who would fit really well in Toronto. Do they maybe try to talk themselves into? This is probably harder, but Thaddeus Young while while playing smaller in in certain lineups, that's someone who could really help them out. But um, that just might be tough from a salary perspective. They're not just, they're not lined with, you know, expendable salary fodder. If they want to use Norman Powell as that idea, then yeah, a lot of different options open up for them. Uh, I guess there really aren't like a ton of centers that would spring to mind. Maybe they're more focused on the buyout market. I don't think they get Drummond if he enters the buyout market, which I do believe that he will. That's, you know, let's answer this question from David Olu Ajibola asks, Is Andre Drummond getting bought out or not? If not, what's the implications if the Cad don't find a suitable trade for him? The implications are he just makes too much money at twenty eight point eight million or whatever it is. But I, I do think he'll get bought out after the trade deadline, if not before it. And he'll probably sign with the Lakers or the Nets. That's just the way things are gonna go at this point. I will be mildly to very surprised if he winds up being traded before the deadline rather than bought bought out. But yeah, the Raptors would be a team that I would watch as maybe sort of surprise buyers. If you're looking for surprise sellers, I guess Charlotte really shouldn't count anymore. You're not going to include... Minnesota seems like they're buying, but they're not really a surprise. We know Houston's selling. We know IK's selling. I don't think it's Sacramento. That would be a surprise. New Orleans is probably not the answer because teams can probably see them going either way. Maybe the Grizzlies might be an interesting team to pick there, just because yeah, they're still in the play-in hunt, and no, you're not going to see them give up, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh John Morant, obviously, Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman, who they seem trying to develop. But do they look at maybe moving Valentunis or D'Anthony Melton or maybe even Tyus Jones emerging as one of the better backup point guards this year? Do they even look at moving Justice Winslow, who's, you know barely played for them but he's had i was watching one of the games since he came back and he was moving a lot better on defense than i anticipated him to someone who was out with back injuries for uh was part of the reason he missed time that i was just i was impressed with that so are those things you could look at uh you know are you maybe looking at a dylan brooks move just because he's really good on defense he reminds me a little bit of a less coordinated kelden johnson on on offense sometimes the shot's there sometimes it's not he can barrel with reckless abandon towards the the basket he has two years and 23.6 million left on his deal after this i'd probably view that as a net negative but if you're looking to you know, if you're talking to the kings about buddy healed maybe if this is like a dylan brooks and Gorgie jang for buddy healed situation are you including a second round pick there or just i think dylan brooks probably actually helps sacramento um and you're getting out from under a lot of money with buddy healed so yeah that might be this i wouldn't expect them to but it's hard to spot sellers i could see that being a surprise the really bold pick would be the Knicks. I just don't think they're going to do that. And they don't have a reason to They're six in the East. I know they have a super tough schedule remaining, but just, I would, I wouldn't go all in on a move. You know, we were talking about what was happening with Lonzo ball, but uh, if they wanted to, I mean, they you can get first round pick for Reggie Bullock right now. I guarantee you that with his volume from three has ticked up over the last month or so. Um, he's played some really good defense, especially when you look at the assignments that he's been handling for them. Uh, but I don't. I, I would doubt it on their part. I guess someone could say the Bulls. They just, that just wouldn't surprise me. They need to be shopping Garrett Temple and Daddy's Young and Larry Markkinen. Uh, if we're looking for like a surprise player, maybe a Wendell Carter Jr. Is that something? He's just not Arturas uh guy. Like you know, no one here is except for Patrick Williams. Essentially in Chicago, I would think that Wendell Carter Jr. Gets moved before Zach Levine, obviously. And I don't know what type of offer uh, it would take to get get out from Zach Levine, which, you know, we do have a Zach Levine question from MB. What would you do with Zach Levine? I would do one of two things. Let me take a sip of a drink right here. So, one, if you don't want to trade him, the plan to me would be renegotiate and extend him over the offseason. And the difference there would be is that you need cap space to do that because you're bumping his salary up for 2021. 22 and what that does is it's a sign of goodwill to the player obviously and then you have him under a longer term deal it also just kind of shortens what's happening rather than signing him let's say to a new four-year deal uh once he hits free agency in 2022 maybe he's only on you know renegotiate and extend for i think that can go up to four years if i'm not mistaken and so now that totals actual four years from now rather than technically investing in him for five years if you're just not confident that he's going to be the same player for a long time there's value in paying him now when he's at the peak of his powers if you're not going to do that i would move him just because i don't know he'll still have value over the summer but if you leak it into the season his value could get diluted by the fact that he is going to be a free agent in 2022 and who knows if he continues playing as well uh he's been really good for a while now though someone who could hit 40 plus percent of his off the dribble threes been making better decisions this season out of double teams Not a good defender. I think he's been better on the ball this year. If you look at some of his defensive matchup data, they've put him on some pretty tough assignments. So that's really um, encouraging. I'd be curious, what's the team with a godfather offer? Uh, I was talking to, when we had the locker room conversation, I suggested is Jordan Poole, who's been playing well, um, the Minnesota pick, another first round pick, and then Kelly Oubre Jr. enough. Bulls fans in there said that they believed it would take more. They think it would be Wiseman and Zach Levine. If I was the Warriors, I wouldn't definitely say no to that, but I would be looking to get Wendell Carter Jr. back in that framework. I don't think the Warriors will even consider giving up both for Zach Levine, uh, maybe a Bradley Beal, and I don't even know. They might be pretty protective of their ability to develop players, which they you know really haven't shown that they're particularly uh, adept at in recent years. Though Jordan Poole, again, perking up, so that's something to consider philly's a popular destination that's probably my favorite spot for him miami's up there too but they just don't have the the firepower even if you include tyler hero and you know 2025 first round pick or can they not move on until 2027 let me double check these pick commitments that i have pulled up here so yeah you can they can trade a first round pick in 2025 or 2027 they would have to you know basically first allowable and they might not convey depending on what happens with the oklahoma city pick in 2023 but they could do that i don't I, I, if you like Tyler Hero, maybe um, Philly can offer you Tyrese Maxey. Their first round pick commitment is weird because they traded away as part of that Al Horford deal. And this is just a smart flyer by Sam Pressing Oklahoma City. Um, they they have Philly's 2025 first rounder. So Philly can trade 2021, 20, 2023, 20, or 2027 20, in theory. Uh, but that is potentially owed to, to Oklahoma City. So it'll be pending that 2025 obligation to OKC conveying are you accepting 2021 2023 Danny Green Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thybul? is that getting it done for Zach Levine I don't know and the Sixers could probably talk themselves into that being too much for Zach Levine because they are really obliterating their depth in that scenario you know I would do it if I were the Sixers if you figure out a way to keep Matisse or you probably need to keep Matisse or Danny Green because you don't want to really hurt your wing defense that much but i don't know if chicago's gonna want shake and uh tyrese maxi i'm and giving up three first round picks for zach levine seems absurd on its face but do you do that 21 23 and 2027 20, pending that obligation to okc plus maxi and danny green is the, the filler you might need a little bit more money there let me just check and see how much levine makes here no that would, that would actually work So that could be the deal. Is Chicago doing that? Is that enough? I also don't know what other team could kind of come out of the woodwork for this. New York would be interesting because their defense is so good. And if you can get him while keeping RJ Barrett and I would assume Julius Randle, I don't know what use the Bulls really have for Julius Randle. I'm not totally against it. Am I? This is like, I'm I'm very much team lean into being bad so you're not caught in the middle, but maybe I just haven't seen good Knicks basketball in what feels like forever. You know, I would say, if you're New York, Quickly's gone in that deal. You're just, you're not keeping Barrett and Quickly if you get Zach Levine. And then you're building it around picks, basically. You know, maybe they're interested. No, Obi Toppin, maybe they like him. It's just, hey, he could play with Patrick Williams and we're going to let Larry Market and Mark Restrictive Free Agency. So is it Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, that hurts my soul. And then how many picks are we including here? You're including your 2021. I would say one of the 2021 New York or Dallas the Dallas 2023 for sure. You can trade your 2022 pick. That gets interesting, then. So it'd be New York's or Dallas's 2021 pick. And you can trade your 2022 pick because you're gonna still have a pick in 2021. So New York's 2022 pick. And then that Dallas pick in 2023. Maybe it has to be your own. But that amounts to three first round picks, quickly an OB top in Obi Toppin for Zach Levine. I might you might need to come off of that one a little bit. Maybe you're not getting a manual quickly. Um and i don't know how much of a deal breaker that would be for chicago. They'd have to leave full tills into a rebuild at that point anyway. is not going to be the difference and you do have Kobe White, but top in and three first round picks. You know, you could throw them some of the maybe top in Knox, three first round picks. They have some Detroit seconds. Uh 2023 Detroit second, the 2021 Detroit second. Is that is that the deal? I mean, they could you could. There's obviously Frank Milakina would be eligible for there. You're going to consider giving up Reggie Bullock in that situation if they want him. I just don't know why they they would. I'm just thinking of really the outline of a package here, and you are offering them a ton of relief. The Bulls really don't need it though, so that's probably. I think you're looking at three firsts plus Toppin, and then either quickly or Knox. I'm sure the Bulls will prefer quickly. So let's let's say this. We'll settle here. Three firsts, two of Toppin. No, well, definitely top in no. <laughs> Two of top in Kevin Knox quickly plus three firsts for Zach Levine. I think would be would have to be New York's package. And you know, look, Mitchell Robinson's there too. I wouldn't be opposed to moving him in that deal. So maybe we need to walk this back. But that's those are the assets I think you put in play as sort of the main attractions. You move Knox from there. Mitchell Robinson would be on the table. And they don't believe in Wendell Carter Jr. Maybe the Knicks don't want to pay. Mitchell Robinson. I think the goal should be to, if you want to be good with Zach Levine, you want to keep Randall Robinson, Barrett. Like I think that's the framework you want to keep. Um, or you you want to you don't want to give up both Quickly and Robinson in that deal. Let's let's say that so you can get one of Quickly or Robinson, then you can have Toppin, you can have Kevin Knox and, and basically three firsts. If Knicks fans are listening to this, let me know what you uh what you think about that one. They've also got Detroit seconds if we need to sprinkle this deal. But yeah, that that's what I would do with with Zach Levine. Kim asks, is there anything Clippers can do about the point guard situation to improve their prospects? I don't know. I suggest that they trade for Sterling Brown just as someone who can help them defend from the point of attack. I would still stand by that, and he's more affordable. They've been linked to Ricky Rubio. They've been linked to George Hill. Uh, look, here's the thing. If you're worried about the Clippers' lack of free throws and ability to get to the rim, they're a very heavy jump shooting team, George Hill isn't going to help you there. Uh, Ricky Rubio isn't really going to help you there. It gives you maybe a little bit more dribble penetration, but he's not looking to score when he does it. does help you out defensively there, though, and then George Hill will be fine. Uh, maybe DeLon Wright is the name that maybe you've even heard me mention it on this podcast. The issue with that, as it is for all things Clippers, is they're within a million dollars of the hard cap. DeLon Wright makes $9 million. And so you're looking at a dollar for dollar swap. I don't know who the Clippers are giving up. Do you give up Lou Williams for who's making eight? For Delon, right? You need to give up another player there too. But you have um Fiondu Cabin Gelly, which you know you can include that. But what interest does Detroit have in Lou Williams? So now you have to get a third team involved. Can you do something with the Sixers? And are they willing to simultaneously send maybe the Clippers something and the Pistons something? Because Lou Williams might be more valuable come playoff time, even though he's been kind of touch and go, might be the best way to put it. Uh, or that's the generous way to put it when you get to the postseason. Delon Wright, though, because he's under contract for next year, he shot his three ball okay this season before he got injured. He'll give you pressure on the rim. Not necessarily sure if he's going to fix your your free throw problem per se, but just another guy who's taking. You know, he would be among Clippers non big rotation players. And so look, Zubats and Terrence Mann are the only Clippers that get to the to the rim in an above average clip relative to to their position. And so Delon Wright is you know he's only averaging uh per 36 minutes, 3.2 free throw attempts. That's not that's not great. But he does take, you know, 39.6% of his shots come within three feet. And that's something the Clippers could could certainly use. I just don't know what the money going out is or what the three team deal is. So uh, but that that would be a theory is I wouldn't give up Zubots in that deal. He makes about the same as Lou Williams. He's at seven million. I think he's too important to their defense. Uh maybe they're if you're gonna give up Patrick Beverly, I feel like you'd want someone better. Then DeLon Wright coming back. And once you start looking at the Pistons, I don't really know if they have anything else that you want to include. Like, do you want a flyer on Josh Jackson? Probably not. So yeah, Wayne Ellington, maybe you could get him as part of that deal. I don't know who else is out there. George Hill feels like sort of the easier solution, but he's not fixing what ails the Clippers most. In my opinion, they could maybe use an Aaron Holiday a little bit more. I just don't think you have the juice to get him because you don't, you know, you have Detroit picks in 2024, 2025, and 2026. Are two seconds getting you Aaron Holiday, like, is the framework? Is this, like, you know, with Terrence Mann, Fiondu Cabangeli, and two two Detroit seconds, is that getting you Aaron Holiday? I don't know. Uh, so that might be something to consider, and I'm, I'm going through just the list of potentially available point cards right now. I don't really know that there's anyone that's... Like, can you get... I don't, I don't know how much AD Anthony Melton really helps you there either, so, and people are talking about they need someone to kind of delineate the crunch time action for the Clippers, which is an offensive thing. DeAnthony Melton certainly isn't going to give you that. Uh, Ricky Rubio might, but again, he's just a non-threat. George Hill kind of, probably comes closest to do, checking every box they need on the offensive end. So, you know, it's something to sort of consider there. And DeAnthony Melton gets to the rim a lot less frequently than I thought. So we're just going to remove him from, from the list of players that I said. I don't know why. I haven't seen a ton of him this season. He also has not played a ton this season, but... Uh, free throw attempt rate of 0.122. Uh, that's an error on, on my end. So, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I don't think necessarily the players out there within the, the realm that they can afford, uh, realistically for, for them to fix those those issues. That's a great question, though. Um, uh, maybe something, maybe they just pick up Elfer Payton off the buyout market. That's just not, you know, that shouldn't be the, the answer for them either. That's a good question. I don't know if they're going to be able to answer it. Um, uh, D. I, D I kite season asks who are the most interesting buyout candidates at the guard position. Uh I think Austin Rivers and Alfred Payton, two guys that we've we've already mentioned. They're definitely up there. Uh a lot of people have talked about maybe it gets to the point where George Hill is bought out. I do not know if that's necessarily a distinct possibility. I think if you're the Thunder, you're going to move him, if anything. Uh there are not a ton of options after that, looking at that these teams again so many teams are just not they're just not out of it and they're not holding on to these vets that don't need anything. This Houston, you know, DJ DJ always another guarantee year left on his contract. Is there some sort of buyout there where they're looking to get less money and he doesn't want to play for a disaster fest in Houston. Um and he's not shot the ball well this season, but as someone who has shown that he can hit pull-up triples in the past, is that'll probably intrigue some teams similar to the way that uh you know Reggie Jackson intrigued the Clippers last season. Um yeah, that's really all I got for you. Is I don't think there's going to be, you know, guards are. Yeah, you know, Boston's not going to buy out Jeff Teague, and he's not really doing anything for for you this season anyway. If you get him, uh, yeah, I I got nothing. of Those those are all the names. I'd be most interested in Austin Rivers of all those guys. By the way, uh, to, and just to in theory of what he could do, maybe you know, I w- maybe Houston does Sterling Brown a solid. My guess would be they could get a second-round pick for him at the deadline, but he would be interesting. Shooting the ball well from three, ran some point for Houston, has, has a lot of defensive range. So that might be someone to kind of sort of monitor there. Again, that's if they're doing him a solid. Otherwise, yeah, I think that's, you know, we're pretty much out of here with that. Yeah, I got nothing. Let's move, let's move right on to there. Uh, next question comes from a james who is a player that no one is talking about that will be traded come thursday i won't don't hold me to this but some names that i think you could consider would be josh hart everyone's talking about lonzo ball in new orleans he's also entering restricted free agency so that would be a name to keep an eye on teams really covet wings that's why you're seeing so much interest in harrison barnes aaron gordon isn't really a wing but he can defend the wing positions and he has gotten better as a passer over the past couple seasons and shooting the ball fairly well from three this year fun fact uh so if he's going to be available i don't know what you get for him when you know that you have to give him, you know between ten and fifteen million dollars in restricted free agency. But my guess would be maybe New Orleans could get a contender to give them a first round pick or a semi interesting young player. Jeremy Grant would also be a name to watch. There have been reports that the the Celtics I think have thrown out two to three first round picks for him, and those will probably be crappy first round picks. So two first round picks and a young player feel like it would be possible. Does, you know if you do Peyton Pritchard? And two firsts from Boston, is that something that they consider? Uh, Portland, can their their pick commitment situation is, I won't say it's wonky, but they've already traded away a future first-round pick. This one, um, in fact, it's lottery protected to Houston in the Robert Covington deal. Can you go 2023, 2025, Zach Collins and Anthony Simons? Does one of them get it done? And it would probably be Simons is more interesting to Detroit. Although I guess they could use the theory of Zach Collins. He just hasn't really played the past two seasons. I'm just trying to think of other teams that might go, you know, that far into it. He would still be good in Phoenix. I just don't know that you're getting, you know, do you get Cam Johnson and Cam Johnson, Jalen Smith, and a 2024 first-round pick? You're not getting a 2026 first-round pick, but he'd be interesting just because Jeremy Grant could play some five in Phoenix, so using Dario Starch there, and if you don't trust the eight and stuff, I guess the problem with, with the eight minutes, excuse me, I guess the problem there then becomes... You know, now you have Aiton and you've traded away other assets. So if you wanted to move Aiton later, you can't really combine him with anything too interesting. But yeah, those would be the two names I would watch ahead of the deadline who aren't really being talked about. Hayden Brush asked, what are the chances that Heat land one of Aldridge, Oladipo, or Rudy Gay? Uh, Adam and I already answered this in the pod that no one will ever hear we'll say 95% might even be higher than that. I feel like they're going to it'll wind up being Aldridge via a buyout. The the stuff that the I thought at first the Spurs letting this go public meant that they did have a suitor lined up and I I think I let myself get too caught up in the fact that the Spurs were doing something uncharacteristic. So, I'm I don't know how they're going to find a taker, so I, my guess would be this ends in a buyout. Um, with the Marcus he goes to the Heat. If they can take a flyer on Oladipo where it's salary filler and then, like, you know, Kendrick Nunn, they want to give up for him. If Houston's willing to accept that, then that's something that I could see them doing. Musa, speaking of Oladipo, asks, where is Oladipo going? Because if Ro- if the Rockets don't trade him now, he's going to leave and they won't get anything in return. I agree with you. Something also to consider here is they, the Rockets have essentially opted for Victor Oladipo over Karras Levert and his second round pick. I that decision looked questionable at best in the moment. I thought maybe they believed they could trade Oladipo for more than that. Always a sketchy belief. um A lot of other people who cover the rocks deposit. They just wanted the cap space. You could have traded Karis LeVert over the off season into some team's cap space and then gotten value for him as well. So I don't want to hear that uh, that it was for cap space. I do think they move him. The Dow- Dallas seems like the no brainer here. They have James Johnson's expiring contract and. They can give you Josh Green, Tyrell, Tyrell Terry. I don't know why. Why do I? Can someone, can someone explain to me why I want to call Dallas Tyrell Terry, Tyrell Maxi? Is it just because he's so similar to Tyrese Maxi? I don't know. But if anyone can explain, I'd appreciate the help there. That just seems like a no-brainer destination. We mem- mentioned Miami, New York has cap space, and so if Houston's looking to save money, you know Kevin Knox for Victor Oladipo almost works. Kevin Knox and Alfred Payton, let's just say, and they're still saving like you know on their books they're all Depot's already collected salary yada 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 but they're still saving like close to, to 15 million just in, in pure books and both those guys you know kevin knox is still in the books next season but at least you have someone to sort of kind of monitor there and you, you do get out from under victor lodipo's contract but if you were looking for pure cap savings you know does a detroit second and alfred payton and austin rivers do it you know but that's something that you could build if you're the Knicks. And that's not, I might take a flyer. I know that the Knicks can sign him outright this summer, but there's value in seeing if whether he's one can stay healthy and two fits in with Barrett and Randall, because we have seen him kind of hijack possessions in Houston and then in the bubble with Indiana last year. And that would be, those would be teams I would single out. And I mentioned the Lakers before, just as a, you know, can they get to the salary um, point to get him? Maybe there's stepladder trades involved. Um, but that's still because they're hard capped. This isn't like they have enough room under the hard cap where that could super work. Um, and and uh, the other team I've thought about, by the way, would be if Memphis decided to buy, could they pick him up on the cheap? Because it feels like they need another off the dribble scorer, preferably one who's a better shooter than him, which is why Buddy Heald might be a little bit more interesting than Oladipo in Memphis. And he would be purely a rental because I don't think he resigns in Memphis. But those are my strongest Victor Oladipo thoughts uh what do the Sixers do with the trade deadline this year coach Wilson I think they're inevitably going to trade for Nemanja Bjelica. that just seems like the, the deal there they could also use kind of another big man presence while Joel Embiid is out and so is there something there where it's a, a second round pick and you're going to use I probably wouldn't use Mike Scott or Tony Bradley at this point just because knowing what's going on with Embiid you kind of need the the serviceable death and maybe i'm being generous by calling tony bradley serviceable but he's he shed a ton of weight moving pretty well is it vincent poirier and i think you might need another south well you definitely need another south and terrence ferguson there you go terrence ferguson and Nemanja bielita and maybe a second to get uh excuse me terrence ferguson and vincent poirier and a second maybe not a particularly good second like they have a 2023 second i think it comes from portland if i'm not mistaken um, it's from Atlanta, Charlotte, or Brooklyn, so I very much am mistaken. But I'm not giving up a Knicks second rounder for Nemanja Bielica. Uh Maybe that looks bad enough though, where where you are going to consider that? Uh, that would be the framework of a deal. I don't know if they're going to swing anything higher. Zach Levine again would be my ideal designate. Uh, would be their ideal get to me. Bradley Beal obviously, but he's just not available. So let's kind of move on from from that one. I don't know if there's another name for them that interests me. Evan Fournier could be fun. I just I don't want to have to give up Danny Green if I'm them for that because I do think he's still sort of really valuable to their uh to what they're going to do defensively. Maybe you get JJ Redick uh on the buyout market and he's injured right now, so that's, you know, I, I don't know what you're really giving up for that. I Kyle Lowry, people have mentioned I will be surprised if Kyle Lowry gets moved. However, if he does get moved, I fully expect him to go to Philadelphia. And so that is I guess kind of a, you know, Cheers to Philadelphia there. I'm not I'm not really sure. Let's get to these. We've got a we've got a few more left. Let's see how many I can answer. We'll go a little bit rapid fire. Um What's the most likely thing the Celtics are going to do, Dylan? Nothing, because that's the Danny Ains special in the, the middle of the season. And I guess that's kind of rude. So I should I should take that back. But he's the king of almost during the regular season. They do have that huge trade exception. They need help. Like they are yeah, as we're recording this, they are right now 7th. They're in playing territory, 500 in the East. You might still expect them to finish above the Knicks. There aren't a lot of other teams that you would expect them to usurp. I mean, Atlanta should only get healthier. Miami's been on a tear. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. I would say those five teams might be fairly guaranteed to stay in front of Boston. And I'm not just going to write off the Knicks. They have a tough schedule, and I still have a level of skepticism about them, perhaps just because I can't believe this. You need to do something, and you can talk to yourself that the Celtics need a little bit of everything. They simultaneously have a logjam of bigs, and yet they could use a more dynamic center. They need to replace the Jeff Teague minutes somehow, and that's even with Marcus Smart returning. And you definitely need another wing, a reliable wing, aside from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. The issue for them is how much are you want willing to give up if a player doesn't profile as part of your closing lineup. They're in this very intriguing situation where Kemba... Regardless of what you think with him, I don't think they should move him. I still believe in Kemba. And they, they were rolling at points last year when he was good. And he's perked up a little bit since you know going through the motions. Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Those are your four. Can you get away with Harrison Barnes as the five? Maybe. But I need more than a, than a, than a maybe if it's going to cost two first-round picks. And maybe one of their young players, I would estimate not Pritchard, but maybe a, a Naismith or a Langford, to get him. Aaron Gordon's a name that stood out to me for a while with them. I because I think you can get away with him closing at the five for you, and then he does also kind of diversifies your wing minutes, at least when you're looking at defensive matchups. And look, Orlando uses him as a three. He's out there with you know Kem Birch and Nikola Vucevic at the same time. So I mean, like he's he plays the three in in Orlando a bunch. There, you know, the the lineup I was watching their game the other night. That I believe they lost. It was Birch, Bamba, and Gordon around the court at the same time. So, uh, those would be names that I'm circling if I'm them. They've been linked to Jeremy Grant, obviously, as we mentioned. I just don't know how realistic that is. They might be able to address backup point guard via buyout, but even as I'm saying that, it's can they actually? You might be married to Jeff Teague. George Hill would be interesting for them. You can't give up a ton though because he's not a part of your closing lineup. That he is young. If you want to use him as the five, I really kind of like that fit for them. Don't know how much he helps them really with the rebounding. Maybe a combination deal. If you can get Garrett Temple and Thaddeus Young, just because you are working that huge trade exception, you have Tristan Thompson on the books for another year, but you have his money. You have some other money you could send to Chicago if they're willing to part with him. Those would be players that, if I'm Boston, I would target. So uh, yeah, that, that I'm trying to just think of other names for Boston, but I don't expect anything huge from them because I'm kind of you know, skeptic that we're gonna have a, a busy trade deadline and I I think it'll be busy. Just I don't know how many deals will be significant. So uh yeah that that's actually I think that's a good place to really wrap up here. We might have another pod before the trade deadline. Um if you really want to motivate me to do it, at me on Twitter at Nampa Valley to so say you want a trade idea dump to publish on Wednesday, the day before the trade deadline. I have a spreadsheet just filled of trade ideas that I'm always afraid to go public with because I don't like getting reamed and I think people um, inherently believe that you know not not just me but other people do that to generate uh, incandescent conversation or to be trolls. I don't put them on Twitter. I don't even write about a lot of these. I do write about uh, hypothetical trades at the report, but I just have a spreadsheet of them. If you guys would like to see them or hear them, uh, add us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. I'm at Valley, at F L V A L E. Uh, please, please, pretty please, remember to subscribe and download every episode wherever you get your podcasts, whether you use iTunes or not. Head over to iTunes. Search Hardwood Knocks. Throw us that Firestar rating. Write a review. It really helps us out. We are on YouTube, Hardwood Knocks. Follow us on Twitter. I think it's already mentioned Hardwood Knocks. Until next time, though, I leave you with a shout-out to the one, the only, the fourth place in the Eastern Conference at the moment and kind of sort of surging. What are they going to do with John Collins? Can they maybe acquire another wing? They've been linked to Lonzo Ball. What's going to happen there in Atlanta Hawks?